through it. We got a lot. Verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, this is why we have sunrise worship gatherings in churches. While it was still dark, there at the beginning of the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That is John, who wrote the book of John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, who wrote the book of Revelation, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, that is John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John was the better athlete. Verse 5, he bent over and looked in and the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Jesus wrapped in 60 pounds of cloth along with spices mummified and yet if he had been in a coma how did he have the strength to unwrap himself if they had stolen the body why would they take the time and separate the cloth and as one gospel says was folded in place why did they take the time if the body was stolen why if a man who was in a coma who just comes out of it can take himself out of 60 pounds hop in the dark without stumbling getting over to the stone push the stone over beat up the guards and then hop away but some people believe that Verse 8, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Thinking he was the gardener. Thinking he was the gardener. I want to propose to you today that perception is not I 
I, I want to propose to you today that what people have said about you and where you are and what is going on is not reality. No, no, John, you sound like Deepak Chopra, which, by the way, don't ever listen to that quack. That's on tape good. You can put it out there. That's why Oprah Winfrey went cray-cray. Don't listen to him. Thinks you got a God inside you. It's basic Hindu thought. It's basically, I'm all right, you're all right, we're all going to be all right. We're not all right. If we were all all right, then why is crime still a good business? Just ask my family. I don't see lawyers going broke. I don't see the criminal justice department laying off people. Oh, well, John, you don't know they lay off because of taxes. They lay off because of taxes, but they don't lay off because of crime. See, perception is not reality. And where you think you are and where you think you're going is not maybe what God has because sometimes we perceive God in the way that he is not. He's just a gardener. Perception is not reality. And so I thought it would be wise to show you, um, and we had this in Coach's Bible study earlier this week, and uh, some of them had seen it, and some of you have seen it, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I really like the videos when the soldiers come back and they, and they surprise their children. Do you like those videos? I, I like stuff like that. I like tear jerkers. Oh, I love when someone's heart is ripped out. Yes, it is. I love it. I like it. I like to see the movement when people don't expect something to come, and then all of a sudden it happens. So there we have at this high school, Irwin, um, the, there's this little girl, and she's a cheerleader. And, and so they're going to have the color guard, and she's going to be standing on the field. And there's the color guard that's, that's getting ready to go out. And her father is going to sneak in behind the color guard. John, can we, can we show just the beginning of that and maybe see if that, that can happen? I'm really excited because this is, here it is. They're going to zoom in. There she is, and there's a color guard, and her dad's getting ready to come. All right, there he is. All right, so we can stop it there. Then he's going to stand there, and and all of a sudden the color guard is going to go out, and there's just going to be this other guy who stands in front of him, and she's going to turn and look. And you're going to see this confused look on her face as if to say, because remember, perception is not reality. She thinks that I am cheerleading at a football game and has no idea that her father is there. Let's see her response. John, let's see how that turns out. You can cut it there. Then, my, one of my favorite part is if you watch this, it goes on. We're going to skip to the next part where they're singing the national anthem. 
And, and I love this. I love because, you know, when you think of military, you, you think of the rough and tough and just, oh, I like it. I was too fat to get in, but I always wanted to be there with you. So I played army men at home and beat up my twin sister. And so, um, but I, I, it, it, you'll see on this clip that she's so overtaken that they're zooming in and they're filming it. And this is kind of the elongated one that they used, and then they clipped it up later on. But you, you'll see here, and I don't know how clear it's going to be here so you can watch it. And I gave you the link. It's at summitcharleston.com. It's on Facebook right now. Um, at, at uh, Summit Church, but you can see the link, and hopefully you can see it. They're going to zoom in, and you're going to see this man. You're going to see a tear come down his eye. Because he's going to see how much he meant to his daughter while serving his country. Let's, let's show that part. They're going to zoom in. All right, you can cut it there. See, to me, perception is not reality when it comes to the Lord. So a a lot of you in here today, you know, I'm torn between the two. Uh, There's a part of me that I like Mother's Day as a pastor because I like to eat. Right? I mean, don't you? There's a part that you like it because usually that means if if you're broke, you're not broke that day, you're probably going to go somewhere. Or somebody's going to make some great food. If you live close to grandparents or somebody, you're going to have a lot of food. So I kind of like that part. But as a pastor, I don't like it as well. Because not everybody came from a great situation. Uh, can, I, can I get a witness? Uh, you know, maybe not everybody had the idea of, you know, what, what a mom is like, or maybe there's women, you know, that, that want to be mom. What, what I'm trying to say is this. The reason why we gave out these flowers today to every woman. You have a flower? I blame the greeters. All right, so here we go. Uh, the reason why it's because we value every woman. And yes, every woman in here represents a mother, but there's just, there's more than that. We value you as people because what I want to, you to know today is that this, that the way you see yourself is not always the way God sees you. So perception is not reality when the spirit and flesh The spirit and flesh wage war. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh is sleepy. Our flesh is tired. Our flesh does not want to get into worship. Our flesh, like we struggled today to get into worship. And you can feel it. We struggle. I mean, the flesh does not want to do the things of the spirit. And you can't see Jesus through the flesh. Mary Magdalene was looking at Jesus as a gardener. She was looking at Jesus in the flesh. You can't see the Lord that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to see through the Spirit. You have to understand what the Spirit is saying. And the way you do that is you learn the principles of Scripture. You learn in time and prayer. You work in that, and you begin to listen to the voice of the Lord. And that is how you begin to work and follow and and learn about Jesus. So perception is not reality when 
it comes to spirit and flesh. So I want to give us some points today. Ready, number one. Here we go. If you're taking notes, here we go. When our perception is clouded because we don't know where Jesus is or what he's doing, we feel stuck. We feel frozen. We feel paralyzed. If you've ever walked with Jesus long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you feel like I know exactly what God wants me to do. Other times you don't have a clue. In other words, what do we do next? Has anybody ever gotten to the point where you say, God, what do you want me to do next? Anybody been there? Three people. Great. Okay, good. All right, three people are with me. So here's what I want you to see. What do we do next? If you look there with me in verses 10 and 11, Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. They go back. She stays there. The disciples go back. She's stuck in her pain, and she stays right there at the tomb. Verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She stood outside the tomb crying, stuck. I want to tell you a little bit about Mary Magdalene. Maybe some of you... You might not remember this about her. She was invested. She was invested in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, I'll show you. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Throw that up there. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. I want you to write this down. Take a note. Here we go. Soon afterwards, Jesus, he, I know it says he, but Jesus, began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, the 12 disciples. Watch this. And also some women who had been healed of what, saints? So there were some women that had been healed from evil spirits and what, saints? Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's the Mary that was at the tomb. Oh, come on, you remember it? You've read Luke. That's the Mary that was standing there stuck. She had seven demons in her at one time. This is not just some holy woman that we eulogize and we go, oh my word, she is perfect and she is wonderful. The woman was possessed. And none of us, and I repeat, none of us would have spoken to her. Been around somebody possessed? You know. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You don't want to be around somebody possessed too long because they don't have ideas of giving you a hug. They want to kill you. Possessed people are different. And that's who we're talking about. This woman was invested in the very life of Jesus and his ministry. Watch what else happens. Verse 3, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others, and notice they were talking about there were others, look what they did, who were contributing to their support. They were contributing to Jesus' support and the disciples out of their own private means. They were invested. They were invested in the very life of Jesus Christ, and now this woman is stuck. This woman is exactly in the place of brokenness. She is stuck. The disciples left her. I don't know if they asked her to come with. They said, you want to come back? Or I mean, the Bible's silent, so I can't speak on it. But what I can say is she was all alone. Anybody ever been stuck and alone? Your perception is not your reality. 
Your perception is not your reality. I watch this. In other words, here's what you might be saying. I've come this far in school, John, and I feel stuck. I've come this far in this marriage, and I feel stuck. I'm this far in the relationship, and I don't know what's going on. I'm this far in this major. I'm this far in this job. I'm this far in my life. Now what? I hear it all the time. I want you to know, let me just make a a note of this, is if whether you're beginning your calling and your vocation, because I believe it's a vocation, not a career. I don't think you have a career. Career is about you. A vocation is about Jesus. So I'll say this, or you're retired. If God was done with you, you'd be dead. Oh, how do you say that, John? That just sounds like good preachery talk. Well, let's, let's put it in Scripture. Hebrews says, once appointed to be born, die, then face the judgment. God knows your birth date and knows your death date. And you shouldn't be done till he says you're done. Hmm? Well, you're not done till he says you're done. So I don't believe anybody retiring from Christianity. I don't believe anybody stepping back from serving. I don't believe in that. We serve and we work and we work and we work and we work for the king out of a love, not to gain anything because Jesus has already gained it all for us and we have his righteousness, but we give everything we've got until the day he calls us home. And even when we're taking our last breath, it will bring glory to the Lord because he says, in the next chapter, Peter is going to die this way and bring glory to me. And history says he was crucified upside down because he felt himself unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. I've invested this much in you, Jesus, and this is where it has gotten me. And you're stuck. And you know people that are stuck. In a graveyard all around death with a broken heart and a broken bank account. That's what the Lord showed me. A broken heart and a broken bank account in a graveyard all around death. There's my job is a dead end. This is a dead end. This is a dead end. Listen, I want to tell you something. God is bigger than our perception. And we've got to start trusting in the Lord. That's the eyes of faith. So just when it seems it can't get any worse, someone steals our last hope. Verse 11, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. In her mind, the body has been stolen. Already shown you that. Grief can cause us not to move, but the Spirit showed me. But at the very end of our grief, we can still turn to Jesus. So what does she do? In her brokenness, she stops and she looks to the last place where she knew her Lord to be. This is what happens. Verse 12, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Broken, she turns back and looks into the tomb. And so there's something that's beautiful about brokenness because Jesus is getting ready to move on to the, scene, to the scene. Psalm 51 says it like this. You do not delight in sacrifice or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, 
you will not despise. See, at the very place of our brokenness, there is Jesus. The very place of celebrating, the very place of hurting, the very place of victory, and the very place of defeat, there is Jesus. It appears to me that Mary Magdalene must have had the gifts of serving and mercy because she was always serving and she was always merciful. And and you know what? I just want to say this. The Bible says it even better. Those who've been forgiven much love much. When you have seven demons cast out of you and you know what it's like to be at the depth of brokenness, seven meaning the idea of completion, so she's completely possessed as if there's levels of possession, But the idea of that being this is that she's at that very place of the darkest moment. She's also at a place now where she's been set totally free. And that's what Jesus can do for us. And so I begin to look back in that. So what do we do? Here's the question, the big question, the the elephant in the room, the gorilla in the corner, whatever you want to say. The big question is this, what do we do, John, when we're stuck? What do you do? How do I minister to somebody who's in that place? What do we do when we feel like I'm at a dead end? Or maybe this is where I'm at and I don't know what's next to do. Let's look and see what Scripture says. What do we do when we're stuck? We go to the last place we encounter Jesus. I'm telling you, in all my years of ministry, which is almost 17 now I'm pastoring, I've never, ever, ever seen it fell in all my ministry. When you do the last thing that God told you to do, when you don't know what to do, you stop and go to the very last place you encounter Jesus. If you will stay faithful in that, the Bible says you're faithful over little, you'll be faithful over much. That is what you do. You go to the last place. Look at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. You go to the very last place. In other words, we have to fight for faith, and we can't fight for faith in human fashion, as Raymond Collins would say. And I want to take a moment and talk about faith. Faith doesn't always mean that we completely understand. Go back to verse 8. Look there in chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 8. This is, this is really good. I felt like the Lord just opened my eyes to this. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, also went inside. And what does the Bible say next? He saw and what? I didn't hear you. He saw in what? And then there's a couple words. They still did not what, saints? He saw and believed. Then it says they still did not understand, which tells me this about faith. Listen to what the Lord gave me in this. This tells me about faith. Faith doesn't mean understanding. It means trust. No, that was good. That was, I'm just going to give myself an amen on that one. Uh, well, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Faith doesn't mean that we understand the why. Faith means that we just understand the call. Faith means this. I know God called me. I know God called me here. I don't know why I'm here. I know God called me in the military. I don't know why. Don't necessarily like it some days. I, I don't know why I'm at this job. I don't know why. Listen, you might not understand the why, but you will understand that God said to come. That's faith. That's faith. That's walking with Jesus. Is you just take the very next step. You take the very next step. You don't have to understand it all. You just have to know that he said come. 
Peter didn't know what was going to happen when he went to walk on the water. He just knew that Jesus said, come on. Peter didn't know he was going to be crucified upside down, but when he left his boat, all he knew is Jesus said, come. Lazarus didn't know what awaited him and how the Pharisees were going to try to kill him, but all he knew is that Jesus said, come out. Some of you are waiting for God to write it on the sky when he's already spoken to your heart, come out. You're waiting for some, you keep testing the Lord in in this faith and saying, God, well, if you'll just let me hit three red stoplights, then you want me to stop. Or if there's three green uh, stoplights in a row, that means ask her out. Like, listen, if you start asking God for stuff like that, I don't know who you're following at that point. I'm being straight up. Now, I'm not saying he can't work through that, but I am saying to you is there's only so many times that people could put out a fleece in Scripture, and I only saw one. So what I am saying is that faith doesn't mean you know the why. Faith just means you know the call. God said for me to pastor, so I pastor. I don't know why. There are days I question why. There are days I don't like why. There are days I want to scream at people why. There are days that I am limited when I want to Christian cuss somebody. And the Spirit won't let me. There are days I really want to be more in the flesh. There are days that you and I want these things, but the Spirit of God says no. And we always question God. God, well, I, I, just, if I, I just need I need more of you. I just need more confirmation. Listen, he honors a little faith. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, Jesus honors a little faith. I know I'm supposed to be here. I really don't know why. That's faith. Things might not be working out like I expect, but there's a reason. Be encouraged. Let's go to a popular passage we've all heard before. People use it all the time, but there's a little phrase that I love in it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Let your gentleness be evident to all. And this is my next favorite part. For the Lord is near. See, when you walk by faith, that's what you trust. The Lord is near. And that's where she was, and she was in the midst of that brokenness. The Lord is near. So I want you to understand, when our perception is clouded, and we don't know where Jesus is or what he is doing, we feel stuck and paralyzed. So what do we do? We go back to the very last thing that God called us to do, and listen. And when he calls you, that is your action of faith. And by the way, without faith, it's impossible. Please, God, Hebrews eleven six. 6. So that is why we walk by faith and not by sight. So let's go to the point number two. Point number two is this. When our perception is clouded because we don't know where Jesus is or what he is doing, we will struggle to recognize God at work. Faith, listen, fighting for your faith. Today, I want you to fight for your faith. Fight the, he said, he said to Paul, fight the good fight of what? Paul said this to Timothy, right? Fight the good fight of what? Faith. Paul told Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. It is a fight for faith. In other words, we won't recognize. Look at verse, verse 12. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 12. And saw two angels in white seated there 
uh, excuse me, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked the woman, excuse me, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She doesn't say, oh, you're angels, divine encounter. No. This is what she says. They have taken away my Lord. Or they have taken my Lord away. She said, and I don't know where they put him. Is it just me? Or did she not recognize the angels? See, when, listen, perception is not reality. When you don't look at life through the spirit and you look at life through the flesh, you will never, I'll repeat it, you will never see God at work. When you look, when you're looking for God in the flesh, you will never see God at work. You will never, listen, angels appeared in front of this woman, and every time I saw angels in the Bible, somebody was falling out. And she didn't. Angels freaked people out. And she didn't. Which means she was not, I don't know if it's because she had so many tears and everybody looked clouded by her tears because they were like hanging right here under her eyes. Like I don't understand it, but all I can say is this. Why did she freak out? Why is it that? Why, why is it she encountered two angels that didn't know it? Listen, I'm telling you, if we look at trying to find God through the flesh, we will never recognize God at work. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says this. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained who, saints? Angels without knowing it. She didn't recognize. She didn't recognize. But I know this, that when our flesh is strong, we will not even believe no matter how big the miracle. That was good. If your flesh, listen, if your flesh, if you live life through the flesh, through the senses, right? If you live, if you live your life that way, then you're going to constantly test God. God, come on, I need a bigger miracle. God, I need a bigger miracle. God, if you really want me to do this, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. That's not the way it works with the Lord. And that's why the Pharisees, they were always looking for a bigger miracle. Because they saw everything through the flesh, and that's why Jesus said, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You know, you look pretty on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones on the inside. You got this, you got this look like you're a Christian, but when I dive in and get into your life, I don't see anything that reflects God. Point three, and I'm done. When our perception is clouded because we don't know where Jesus is or what he's doing, we won't recognize Jesus' voice until it gets personal. Let's go back. Oh, that was really good. We won't recognize Jesus' voice until it gets personal. Look at verse 13. The, the, the angels say to her, woman, why are you crying? They, then she replies. Of course, she says, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Okay, Robbie, I'm going to ask you to come play over me because I need, I need some prophetic stuff here. At this... She turned around, saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was who, saints? He asked her, and notice this. I, I highlighted this. You can't see this. It's an orange in my Bible. But it's the same question. It's the same question that the, the angels asked her. 
Did you notice that? The exact same question. Jesus asked her the exact same question. They said this. He said, woman, why are you crying? Why, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Let's rest in that. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me. I'll go get him. I'll go get Jesus. I'll make my way to Jesus. I'll work my way. I'll do whatever it takes to get to him. And the very Jesus that we're trying to work to get to is the very one who's right there. I told you, when our perception is clouded because we're living in the flesh and we don't know where Jesus is or what he's doing, we won't recognize Jesus until his voice gets personal. Look at this powerful statement. Verse 16, Jesus said To her, Mary. He called her by name. Everything changed. He he called her by name. He's called us by name. Everything changed. If we don't fight for faith, what's going to happen? It's very hard to see the Lord when we're looking it through the inundation of what the world says. It's very difficult. But when you spend time in the Word, it's very simple to follow Jesus. It's very simple, hard to do, but simple in its process. We pray. We love the Lord. We learn the principles of Scripture. We apply them in our lives, and we watch God work, and we just keep, whenever His voice calls our name, we move, we move, we move, we move. It's very simple. And this is how His voice is. The same way that you gave your life to Christ, you know that, that little nudge you had inside here, right, when you gave your life to Jesus? Remember that? Your eyes were kind of open, and you go, I need that. And then your flesh begins to fight it, and you're like, no, I'm embarrassed. People think I'm weird. Pride sets in. No, 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 no. Oh, I did this before. I'm not sure if I did this before. All this pride stuff. All of a sudden, the world tries to battle. The flesh tries to battle. It's waging war with the Spirit. But the Spirit speaks pretty much the same way. If you look over your life, and the Spirit speaks, there's, there's a commonality And he's just kind of nudging you sweetly and kindly and gently. He's just saying, Mary, John, Chase, Mark, Ricky, Jennifer, Sarah. He's just saying names, just speaking our name. And then it's up to us to respond. I look at that and I'm I'm amazed. Emotion blinds us. Our thinking, that is our perception, can blind and even deafen us. I mean, the only logical explanation would it be a gardener. It has to be a gardener. But with Jesus, we don't deal with logic. We walk by faith. And so today, 
I want to close with this. The reason why I love you and the reason why I love this church, we have a whole big team, right? Right now in Ethiopia, don't we? We got a lot of people. We got another group all in the upper state at the farm in heavy discipleship, and they're gone. But God has us together today for this, and I'm going to close with this, is that we have to fight for faith. It's not easy. It's not, is it easy to walk with God? Yes or no? No. But I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I know. The disciples said, increase our faith. The man who wanted his son healed said, Lord, help my unbelief. All I know is this, is that if you continually ask God to increase your faith, he will continually increase his presence around you. This is my closing. All right, I want you to know what happened to me. I made a major mistake yesterday with my kids. Some of you are going, Ricky and them are going, oh no, where'd he go? It wasn't bad. I didn't beat anybody. You know, there was no bloodshed. Nothing like that. Um, just kidding. But uh, yesterday I had this wild idea. I said, listen, let's go to the beach. You look at me. Do I look like a beach person to you? No. I mean, come on. I'm not a guy who runs around with a shirt off. Just, okay, get a visual. All right, so we're at the beach. And, and, and I'm at the beach for, I'm not, I'm not, some of you, I know that you're, you love the, the sun and the tan, God bless you. God bless you. I, I know some of you, and you know I'm smiling at you, because and y'all, and y'all get tan. I just turn red. One, yeah, one witness. So I said, so my kids are there. I'm like, well, we're at the beach. Where are we going to go? To the water. Let's go. Right? And so I'm out there, and we're getting in the water, and it is cold. I don't know about you. I don't deal with cold. I don't deal with camping. I told you my idea of camping is a holiday inn, and the TV's broke. That's about as rough as it gets. Y'all go out there and sweat bugs for the Lord. I struggle in my hotel room. So I'm out there with them, and we're having fun. And, and my 12-year-old says, hey, Dad, you know, we're, we're a little far out. Like, we're, we're at the edge of the pier. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's okay. You know, time was out. I said, you know, it's all right. It's all right. And um, it kind of bothered me last night, too, in my sleep. Woke up, struggled to sleep about it. So we, we get out, and, and all of a sudden, you know, one Sunday has this little board, and then I've got my little seven-year-old with me. And I don't know what happened. It was right where the pocket we were. The rip current was real bad, but it got, it was, I, I've been in the ocean my whole life. Um, that's the first time I ever felt this. I actually, for the first time in my life, was afraid. And I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to paint a good picture. I didn't think I was going to make it. In fact, my wife noticed, she was sitting, and she looked at JD, and she said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I'm going to tell you, we were struggling so bad. I looked at my one son, and he's, and he's and my 12-year-old, and he, he was fighting, but he had that board. So I said, listen, you're going to have to just ride the wave. The, I mean, it was so bad. The rip, the rip current was pulling me down, and I'm holding up my 7-year-old, and he's gasping for air. He, he almost went down. It was almost over. I mean, he was, he was wheezing so bad. And I thought, I'm not going to make it. I might go down, but
but I'm not going to let him go down. And my 12-year-old was on the sport, and he kept trying. He was, he was scared because it was taking him further out. And so he tried, and I'm holding up as I'm going down and under the water. I'm holding my 7-year-old up, and he, he's giving everything he's got. And this struggle goes on about four or five minutes. Now, I don't know about you. That's a long time. I am exhausted. And I look over, and there's a kid who got sucked in it. And he's about eight or nine years old. He got sucked into like this vortex. And, and, he, and he's sucked in it. And he's going down. I mean, he's just giving up. And he puts his head in the water as he's starting to sink. And he's, and he's yelling every, with the last little breath he had, help. And so I yelled to a guy who was over there. I was like, you got to get him. And this dude is just coming over. And I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting. And my wedding ring goes to the edge of my finger. And, and, it's, and it's about to go under, and I'm like, I, I mean, I'm so exhausted. I can't even breathe. I can't hardly talk. And I push my wedding ring back on because I didn't want to lose my ring. That was the one thing I didn't want to lose. I kept thinking about that. And I'm holding my son up. I'm yelling at my other son. Because every time he would reach over and grab my seven-year-old, he was trying to grab because he didn't want to be separated from us, but he was pulling him down while he was sinking. And I thought, Lord, if I'm going to, I might die, but I'm not going to let them die. And I was at the very point, and I remember for about 30 seconds to almost a minute, which is a long time, I thought, this is it. And then God was very gracious to us, and we just moved. We'd move a foot, go back a little bit, move a little more foot, back a little bit, fault and fault. In fact, when we got out, the guy who rescued the other little boy, we got out, we get to the point where it's about this high, and I'm, I'm gassed, I'm bent over, and we hug each other, the guy and I. And I'm having to tell you, sometimes walking with Jesus is like that. Sometimes walking with Jesus means all you do is you hold somebody else up. And you feel like you're going down while something happens better to somebody else. But I want you to know this. In the end, you will be saved. But you've got to fight for faith. It's up to you. It's not easy. You can choose to self-medicate your pain with whatever process you want to. You can choose to party through your self-medicate. You can choose to, to, to be around and get in many relationships. You can self-medicate however you want, the void that the flesh cannot fill. But if you'll just let Jesus do it, you will be saved. Will you fight? Father, I pray for us today as we um, go into this time to just reflect, and maybe some people want to come and kneel and say, God, I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to pray for the team in Ethiopia to fight for their faith. I want to, I want to pray over some, some mothers or some, some parents today. Maybe that's, maybe that's their prayer. Maybe some people want to pray with their children and right in their seats, grab around and say, listen, I just want to pray together that we want to be people of faith. I don't know what it is, Lord, where we have to fight for our faith, but it is a battle. It is a battle. And just when we think we're going to sink, just when we think at the very moment it's going to be over, you're right there and you call our name. 
And so today, Lord, I pray that you call some people's names. Well, I know we got a lot of people gone, Lord. I know we got a lot of people all over the place right now, from the upper state of South Carolina to the, to the northern or far region. But God, I want to pray that you're the God of this universe, that you can be everywhere at one time, so you're right where you want us to be, and you're right where you need to be. So, Lord, this is our prayer today. Would you make our faith strong? Though the waves may be high and the pull be very strong, there is a rescuer, and his name is Jesus. And he will call us by name. He will call us by name. So, Lord, my prayer is that everyone knows you as their Savior and Lord, that everyone has returned and given their life to you because they believe that you died on the cross, Jesus, and God, that you rose him from the dead on the third day, and they've committed and repent and turn. Not that we don't sin, we just sin less. And that, God, that we're full of the Holy Spirit and that we become strong people of faith. That is my prayer. We love you, Lord, and we trust you in Jesus' name.